podcast. This is your host, Justin Dora. Today we're going to talk about Revelation from the perspective of it's a relational experience of the truth. John chapter 16 makes a stunning statement. I'm going to flip there and just read it directly to you. It says, verse 12, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear, but when he the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the father is mine. That is why I said the spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. I want to focus on verse 13, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Now it's interesting to realize that Jesus said he is the truth, so the Holy Spirit's guiding you into him. Uh, There's no truth of God apart from the person of God. He is one and the same. Uh, You can't can't remove the the truth and call it principles and then the person. They're, They're one and the same. It's one flow. All that Jesus is, is the truth. And the Holy Spirit's job is to guide you into him. So when you think about an identity in Jesus, he's guiding you into a deeper understanding of who you really are because of Jesus and because of what he's done. Now, as I mentioned at the beginning, what I want to do today is talk about what's the process look like of being, um, allowing the Holy Spirit to guide you into all truth. Now, this is the process according to my own journey. This is not like... Uh, if it doesn't look like this for you, something's wrong. But this is how it's been for me probably nine times out of ten when there's a significant revelation that I get from the scripture. <clears throat> this is typically the process it, it, it comes through. And what, I, what I've discovered is there's something that you begin to see in the scripture that begins to get your attention that you start to think, wait a second, if I think of this in a new way, in this way that's beginning to kind of unfold before me, that's going to have a significant implication in the outworking of this truth in life. And what God begins to do once that new perspective begins to emerge is he starts to surround that new thought with other scriptures to kind of ground that truth. And then I find he gives you biblical examples of that truth being being lived out, like you start to see through that lens and you start looking at other passages and all of a sudden uh, these examples that you see in scripture start taking on new meaning. And a lot of times it's not all at once, it's over time. It could be a few days, it could be a few weeks, it could be a few months, but he just layers over and over again that truth to where now that one thought you had actually has a whole uh, for you. And it's really powerful. So I want to, here's how I want to do this episode today. I want to go through an example that's really fresh and just walk you through how God started layering and weaving this to where now I've got four or five verses or sections of scripture that I think help me more accurately see this passage we're going to look at. We're going to look at Revelation chapter 3, verse 15 and 16, which, if we're honest, isn't always the most 
encouraging verse that we read. But but this is what I love about Revelation. God will take things that historically you've read and thought, ah, this is so scary. And then he'll give you a lens shift where you see it from a different perspective. And all of a sudden, other scriptures start to come alive. They start to weave together and connect. And now you see a more clear picture. And it actually doesn't necessarily... Uh, remove sometimes the sting of the verse, but it just puts it in its proper context to where you're now, you can see it through a lens of hope. And it's that hope that makes this thing come alive. So verse 15 and 16 of Revelation 3 says this, I know your deeds that you are neither hot nor cold, sorry, neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Okay, admittedly, this is not the most, you know, encouraging verse all by itself. But what began to form in my mind is, what is lukewarm? That was the question that kind of came to my mind. What is, what is lukewarm? And, and as I thought about it, I'm like, lukewarm is the natural state of all objects. In other words, if I put something in a room, over time, eventually the environment of the room will overtake that object and the, that object will be the same temperature as the environment in the room. And that got me thinking. I thought, well, wait a second. Hot and cold is typically an element that you introduce into an environment and the source of that heat or the source of that cold begins to change the whole environment around it. In other words, hot and cold are influencing agents in an atmosphere that change the atmosphere versus being lukewarm, which is the atmosphere is the influencing agent upon the object to change the temperature of the object to be like the atmosphere. And this is what began to crystallize my mind. What if what Jesus is getting at in this correction of the Laodicean church is this. Guys, you are so full of the kingdom. You are so full of the life of Jesus. You have the resurrected Christ on the inside of you. I I want you to be hot or cold. I want you to be the influencing agent you are in the atmospheres, environments, relationships, systems of the city that you're placed in. I want you to influence those around you with the kingdom of God within you. I don't want you any longer to be influenced by the systems of the world upon you and you to come to a lukewarm state of being just like everything around you. I want you to be the agent of change. I don't want you to be tra- to be changed by the atmosphere and environment around you. What if this correction is because who they really are is an influence of heat or an influence of cold, a source of warmth or a source of refreshing. And Jesus is saying, be who you are and stop being influenced by everything around you. Now, it's still a correction, but it's a correction now founded in hope because who we really are is the heating element, is the cooling element that can change an atmosphere, change a direction, change a trajectory, change someone's life for the good for their future versus being influenced negatively by the atmosphere, environment, or system of the world around you to mute that kingdom of God within you, the person of Jesus who gets a bushel put over him and now the light is being hidden under a basket instead of on a lampstand for the, all the world to see. Okay, so that was the thought. That was the first thought that came to me. And then... What God began to do is establish that thought with other scriptures. The two, the two scriptures that came to my mind were Ephesians 4. I'm going to read it to you. Ephesians chapter 4. Let me get there. 
Okay. Uh, I'm going to read verse 11 through 16, but really it's verse 14, but I want to give you context. So verse 11, it was he, Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach the unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So the whole reason I'm reading that is because I want you to recognize this idea of maturity, that God desires us to grow up into the full stature of Christ in us, the hope of glory. Verse 14, then when we're mature, then we will no longer be infants or immature, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. We'll just stop right there. What, this is what began to crystallize my mind. So what causes us to be lukewarm or what causes us to be negatively influenced by the environment around us? One source of that is immaturity. When we don't know who Jesus is, we don't know who we are. That immaturity causes us to be tossed back and forth by every wind of teaching and by men in the craftiness of their deceitful scheming. In other words, we are now influenced by the environment around us because we are not deep and wide enough in our foundation of Christ in us, the hope of glory, that that prevents us from, from growing up into the full measure, the full stature of Jesus, which again is... A powerful thought. And then the second verse that God gave me was uh, James chapter 1. Sorry, you can hear my dog barking, but I'm not going to pause. You can just get through the barks. Uh, James chapter 1, verse 5 says, If anyone lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like the wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord, for he is double-minded, unstable in all he does. Okay, what's another source of being influenced negatively by the environment around us? And it would be unbelief. When we ask God, what's this verse saying? We've got to believe it. We've got to trust that what he's speaking, whether it's through his word, by his spirit, or through his people, um, if it aligns all the way through scripture and and it, it seems that inner witness uh, of the Holy Spirit and the and the community that we're there we're a part of um, again has that sense of yes, this is God. Then it's believing. What does believing mean? It means trusting. It means when you don't feel it, when it doesn't look like your circumstances align, don't throw out the word. Don't don't say that it's no longer true because my emotions are down for a day. Just because you have a down emotional day doesn't mean the promise of God has become void. It's still true. It just may be getting established in your understanding, which is your emotions, which is your thought life, which is your perception. But it doesn't it doesn't mean it's not true. It just means it's sinking deeper into your experience of the truth. So what's another source that causes us to get lukewarm is unbelief. Unbelief, immaturity is is where the we are influenced by the environment that we're in more than we influence the environment through being hot and cold, being the 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 source of a a warmth in God and the source of the refreshing of God. Okay, so then so then God starts establishing, he gives us other scriptures to begin to to root this new thought in. Okay, then what begins to happen is you start now seeing 
this revelation or this principle in other passages of scripture uh, and other stories beginning to play out. So let me give you a couple examples. Uh, when Jesus calms the storms in the in the calms the storm in the gospels, what happens? There's a there's a literal storm, literal wind, literal waves. The disciples are freaked out. Why? Because their environment is influencing their perspective. They're, it's influencing what they believe might happen. So what do the disciples do? They pray. They talk to Jesus. They wake him up. They say, help us. Right? We would call that prayer. So they pray. Jesus calms the storm. And then he rebukes them and says they have no faith. <laughs> Which is kind of funny. But why? Because the kingdom of God is within them. And he's wanting them to realize, guys, you already have, as Second Peter 1.3 says, all you need for life and godliness. You've got the whole kingdom inside of you. You can stop the storm. You have authority. You have dominion over this thing. And because you're not using it, Jesus corrects them. Because why? They're allowing the influence of the environment to mute in them the kingdom of God, the the, the life of, of the kingdom, the, the power of the spirit, the power of the kingdom within them. Um and then another story that we see is when the, the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus um, says, hey, we need to take care of these guys. And the disciples look at the crowds. They're influenced by the environment. And what do they say? Send them away. There's no way. There's no way we can do this. Unbelief begins to crop up. And what does Jesus do? He says, well, what do we have? He begins to 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 be that source of hot and cold. He begins to influence the environment versus be influenced. And he looks at what he has and he says, okay, we've got five loaves and we've got two fish. That's all that's needed. And he begins to thank God, which is what he does. He says he gives, he gives thanks. And then he says, okay, distribute it. And he moves in faith. And they feed everybody. So Jesus actually demonstrates what it looks like to be hot and cold, to be the influence but the disciples in both of these stories shows the process that we probably all go through where we get influenced by the environment. But it's important to realize Jesus still corrects them. He corrects them in the Gospels. He corrects the, the Laodicean church in the book of Revelation and, is, and saying, stop being influenced and be the influence. Realize who is in you. Realize what is inside of you. There is a treasure hidden in an earthen vessel. It's just really powerful. Okay, then over time, God just, you start seeing other scriptures, either through reading or just as you're going, God starts giving you other verses that continue to solidify this perspective. So I'm going to give you one more verse. It's found in uh, 2 Corinthians 10. says this, verse 2, I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be towards some of you who think that we live by the standards of this world. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. What's Paul showing you here. He's showing you two things. Number one, we are the ones in charge of the environment. 
I used to read this verse and I, it made me exhausted because I thought I got to take captive every single thought that comes into my mind that's not helpful and I got to and it like would wear me out. And the other day I'm reading this and I read it totally different. It doesn't it doesn't say we wear ourselves out taking our thoughts captive. It doesn't say take your thoughts captive. It says we take every thought captive. And it says we make it obedient to Christ. When I read this, what I realized is I'm the one in charge of the atmosphere. Jesus has given me authority. Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, Jesus. Therefore, go. When he said go, he gave me the ball. He gave me, he empowered me to now have authority in my environment. That's in my relation. That doesn't mean ruling over people, but it also doesn't mean being negatively influenced. Even when someone tries to hand you something that's negative, you don't have to receive it. And you can actually release the opposite. You can be in charge of the environment because the life of Jesus within you. Now, one balance I want to make to this whole thing. What I'm not saying is uh, never be influenced by anybody. That's called stupid. What I'm saying is don't be influenced by a worldly perspective a negative perspective, or an unhelpful environment, whether that's through a person or a circumstance or whatever. But obviously, people that are godly and full of life and full of peace and full of the person of Jesus that would give you thoughts and ideas that could influence you in a great direction, absolutely be influenced by that. That's wonderful. But don't no longer be influenced by an environment that wants to impose its will upon you. But you let the life of Jesus begin to shift that environment and you be the hot and cold element in the room to actually change the temperature, the atmosphere of the room. And I'm, all, I'm speaking all in a metaphor. In other words, you be the influence in the room instead of being influenced in a negative, unhelpful way in the room. Don't be tossed by immaturity, but allow Holy Spirit to guide you into all truth that you could go deep and wide in your identity in Christ, that full measure, that full stature. And don't be influenced by unbelief. Don't listen to the thought that says, is this really God? Has God really said? He uses the same tactic over and over again. He tries to get you to question the word of God over your life, whether it's a scripture, a promise, whatever it might be, don't allow that negative influence to color the lens of your perspective and the way you see life, the world, and your relationships. And ultimately realize, 2 Corinthians 10, you're in charge of the environment. That's not a ruling over it from a top-down perspective, but that is an influence within it because the life of Jesus is permeating everything you do. And therefore, we release the opposite spirit of that spirit of the world. And when someone hands us hate, we return forgiveness. When someone hands us fear, we return love. When someone hands us um, slander against someone else, we return encouragement. We just return the opposite of what's given to us and that leaven we release begins to shift that other person's perspective and lifestyle and all of a sudden they are being 
influenced by the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of Christ in an environment. And I'm telling you, when that environment is charged, it's felt, it's tangible, man, the creativity, the life, the peace, the overwhelming sense of the presence of God is wonderful. And nobody wants to go backwards in that environment. Everyone wants to move ahead. And it's and it's it's all um, empowered by the life of Jesus. So hopefully... That's been an encouraging thought of just what does Revelation look like? How does God begin to reveal something and then reaffirm it and put roots all the way through the scripture so that that's tethered to more than one place in the scripture? Um, and my prayer is that you would continue to receive your own revelation. Guys, I'm more convinced than ever before. It's great to hear from people. I love personally teaching, listening to teaching. But in the end, it's your own personal journey through the scriptures where Holy Spirit is unpacking the truth to you, the person of Jesus revealed in the word of God. That is the most life-changing. It is the most transformative. It's your own ownership. And that's not a performance-heavy deal. That is a life-giving liberation. Um, and so that's my prayer. Holy Spirit, would you guide us into all truth at another level? Would you take us deeper and wider in the person of Jesus and the person of the Holy Spirit and the person of the Father to help us see with clarity who you are, who we are, and who others are in light of who Jesus is and what he has accomplished on behalf of people. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Wisdom Podcast. If you liked what you heard, leave us a review on iTunes, and iTunes will suggest this podcast to others. Thanks, everyone, and take care.